Hi everybody, my name is Nick Beard. I'm the audiovisual director here at Peninsula Covenant Church, or PCC. Welcome to our message podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Great to be with you. Uh, I want to pray for us, and we're going to dive into the scriptures, and I want to pray uh, a prayer of thanksgiving, and not because we need to fill time. We certainly don't need to fill time, but um, we want to thank you for your abundant giving. Uh, last year, not only did we get the most into PCC, we gave the most away from PCC. I think I told you that. We had close to a million dollars that went off this campus to the world, and if there was ever a time when the world needs it, uh, we're in it as headlines of celebrities um, taking their lives, as we, Brian, prayed about as uh, children are at a border, separated from their parents. Uh, Sadly, as scripture's taken out of context to justify that. Um, These are perilous times, and there's never more of a time that we need to be the body of Christ than right now. Our hope doesn't lie in Washington. Our hope lies right here. The people of God being the people of God. We're banking everything on that. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. We want to enter your courts and say thank you. You're so good to us. We have life. We have hope in you. Um, Lord, we can look uh, at our own city and see a world of need. And we know that that isn't the only story, that you're at work behind the scenes, stirring hearts calling your church to rise up and go to playgrounds and build them so that our schools don't have to spend $60,000 to build a playground. They can spend eight because the church showed up and we can show up on the streets and feed people four nights a week. And we can show up and read to kids that are illiterate. And we can show up in homes. You just do it time and time again. So God, please embolden us to be humble servants armed with, in the best way possible, with the truth, to live out, to be salt and light in our community. And God, as uh, we do this, may you build your kingdom through us. Pray this in Christ's name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So uh, I grew up in Novato, California. Does anyone know where Novato is? About 35 miles north of here. Uh, It was an amazing community, about 30,000 people growing up. It was the best. I would walk to the corner and take a bus to kindergarten. I would ride my bike all over the city, completely safe area, uh, seemingly. Little League, Little League opening day, the whole city seemingly came out to Novato High School and to watch the city, uh, watch the Little Leaguers open open up for uh, Little League. It was amazing. My best friend growing up, his name was Jeff, and we were inseparable. Summer was the best time for our friendship because Jeff had a mini bike, and we could, he had a little QA50, Honda QA50. We ran all over on his mini bike. Jeff had a pool, so we played and swam in the pool endless times. And then summer was hide-and-go-seek season on Stone Drive in Novato, California. About 15 kids would come out and we play hide and go seek. Do you guys know what I'm talking about, hide and go seek? Okay, you're looking at me like I'm strange. Um, We'd play well into the night and there was a telephone pole about uh, 100 feet from our house and they'd count and you'd go hide. I was the best at hide and go seek because I could climb trees. Uh, I actually was scarred at hide-and-go-seek because this is no lie. At six years old, during hide-and-go-seek season, the street bully, um, 
I won't use, well, I will use his name because I want him to hurt for this. His name was Dan, Danny McDermott. He uh, pulls me into his garage and says, opens the dryer door and says, hop in here. And I hopped in and he closed it and turns it on. No lie. Uh, but that's a whole different message and, and we'll get up there. Um, where was I? Oh, uh, so we, you can tell I'm still scarred. So, um, so there I am hiding in a tree, always in a tree, and you would do a calculation at a strategic point. You'd see home base and you'd mark the distance. You'd look at the person seeking from the tree. You'd think of your speed. You'd think of their speed. You took in drag of the wind and, and wind conditions. And at some point you'd hop out of the tree and just go running towards home base where you knew you'd be free. Uh, it was incredible. Now, at some point in hide-and-go-seek, there was always, with 15 players, there was always one, two, sometimes three kids that never got found. And so when all the people made it to home base and we realized we had a critical mass, it's boring, let's start a new game, we would call out what? Ollie, Ollie, oxen free! Which was the universal sign that said this. It's safe to come out of hiding. You're safe here. Now, I never knew, honestly, what I was a star at at a childhood game uh, would almost take me under as an adult. Hide and go seek, adult style. Uh, did you know God actually invented hide and go seek? Did you know that? It started in Genesis. Look at this. In Genesis chapter uh, 3. Then the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they did what? They hid from the Lord. Uh, God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Hide and go seek, grown-up version. It's extremely dangerous. You know, we can do it today, and we all do it to some degree or another. We all hide an aspect of our character that we don't want others in on because we're afraid if they knew who we really were, if they knew about that habit or that hurt or that hang-up, they would not accept us. So we hide. We hide in work because we don't want to come home to a relationship that hurts too much. We hide in recreation because we want to anesthetize the pain that we feel from whatever's hurting us. We hide in sports or sports fanaticism, right? And the best thing we have in life are the Warriors winning the world championship. And I'm all for the Warriors winning the world championship. I've got my LeBron down from game one. Remember when he hit that three-pointer, he did this? I think that was, you guys remember that? Or am I just, no? That was so cool. Go look it up on YouTube, right? But we hide in that, right? Uh, it's terrible. Or we hide through online. Uh, we hide through gaming because our best adventure in life is a virtual game with people around the world that we don't even know. Or through social media because the best accolades we get in life are likes on our page. Now, I'm not down on that, and I don't mean to hurt anybody, and I have no emails. I'm not talking about anyone particularly in the room. I'm just saying we stay hidden because we're afraid of being known, or we hide the relationships that matter most. Do you know Jesus came, and he actually made this statement uh, in Mark chapter 10? The whole reason I, reason I came is to seek and to save what? The lost. Jesus came on a mission, and uh, that was written in the New Testament, was written in a different language, and uh, we say, I came to seek and save the lost, but in the original language, here's what Jesus said, 
I came to seek and save that which was lost. He wasn't just talking about people. He was talking about aspects of our lives that we stay hidden and we keep hidden. And Jesus made this universal declaration to every human being who's ever lived, regardless of their morality or immorality. I love you. And I've come here to seek that aspect of your life that's lost. Ollie, ollie, oxen free. If you just bring it out of hiding, we could take what's broken and make it whole. So important. It's so vital. And many times, certainly in my life and certainly in the Gospels, this is vital. We call that around here, by the way. The way that we, God invites us to bring our stuff out of hiding is in community. And that's why we value practicing healthy relationships. It's a key value of what we do. I can never be the man God's called me to be apart from you. I need you in my life. I need you in my community. I need you in my stuff so that you can help me become everything I've been called to be. That's why we have such a, a key, and uh, we keep bringing before you small groups, because it's there that you get to become the person God had in mind when he created you. So here's our big idea this morning. I was a youth pastor for 17 years, and I told kids this time and time again, and then I became a lead pastor. I've been a lead pastor for 16 years. And you know what I realized? This is no less true for adults than it was for teenagers. Here's our big idea. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I used to tell a teenager who newly embraced Christ, you know, within three months, the people you hang out most with are the people you're gonna become most like. And I'm not down on not having friends that don't know Christ, I think we should, we should love the world. But the people you are closest to, the people you entrust the most with, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Uh, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, thousands of years ago, picked up on this, and he, he didn't get it from me, right? God, show me your friends, I'll show you my, your future from him. But here's what he said, walk with the wise and what do you become? Come on, it's an open book test. Walk with the wise and what do you become? Yes, good. Associate with fools, and literally in the Hebrew, that word is morons. Associate with fools and you get in what? Yeah, I can tell you that is true in my life. Uh, probably the biggest regrets of my life were influenced by others. I take responsibility for it, but we don't do this in a vacuum. Uh, and then on the other end, probably the biggest heights I've ever reached in my life about what matters most was encouraged from godly community in my life. See, unless I'm intentional with what we're calling biblical community, I'm just going to drift through life like a rock on a lake being skipped. And the deepest I'll get is the Warriors Championship in steps one, two, three. Or the deepest I get will be the stock market or the headlines or things like that. See, I have to intentionally pursue and get around me and be around community. It's that that makes me bring this message to you as we close, the love does, because you'll never do apart from having the right people in and around your life. And I want to talk about three friends every person needs. This isn't just for dads. This is for all of us. And to do this, though, we're going to study the life of King David for the next 20 minutes. Uh, King David is one of the most important figures in Jewish and Christian history. Uh, David was the original Renaissance man, if you don't know anything about him. He was. He was a shepherd. He was a poet. He was a warrior. He was a passionate lover. He was a king of Israel for 40 years. And he was called a man after God's own heart. 
But David wouldn't be David in the human sense apart from three friends. He had three men in his life, at one point in his life or another, don't miss this, who found him hiding and made him better. So we're going to look at men like Samuel, men like Jonathan, men like Nathan, okay? They all called Samuel, I'm sorry, David, to be something better. So open to page two and let's dive in. Are you ready? All right. Page two, here we go. Samuel, we all need these types of men. Samuel's a friend who makes you better. A friend who makes you better. Think of who that might be for you. Let me give you the context. Israel had a king. Does anyone know the first king of Israel? Saul. First king of Israel, and uh, he, God rejected him because he had turned his back on God. And God called a prophet named Samuel. He's the original headhunter, Samuel, right? And he said, go find Israel's next king. So Samuel goes to this house of a guy named Jesse. He's following God, and God says, it's right there at that property. And Jesse, I think I'm pretty cool. I got eight, I'm sorry, I got five daughters. Jesse had eight sons. And so Samuel knocks on the door and says, hey, I am here from God to find Israel's next king. He's in this house. And Jesse brings his firstborn son, who's tall, who's dark, who's handsome, basically, who looks like Ian, right? He just plays a guitar. No, he doesn't do that. But he finds his oldest son, and David, David, uh, Samuel goes, is that him? And God goes, that's not him. And Jesse goes, okay, here's my second son. And Tim says, no, that's not him. Here's my third son. Here's my fourth son. Finally goes down the line to his youngest son. Now, I can relate to that. I was the baby of the family. My nickname was Bombo growing up, Bambino, Bombo growing up. And I'm the guy that made my brothers embarrassed. I'm the guy that embarrassed my father. I'm the guy that kept getting my mouth washed out with soap. Did any parent do that anymore? Uh, and, and, and you could tell I had a really tough childhood. Dryers, mouth with soap. Um, I was that kid. And Jesse goes, I only got one more son. He's out in the field tending sheep. And Samuel says, bring him here. And look what Samuel says when he sees him. Let's pick it up in that story. First Samuel 16, 12 to 13. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Now think with me for a second. What's interesting to me is this. There is not a single person on the planet who saw David more than just a baby shepherd boy. Worthless. Not even his own family saw him beyond that. And yet in Samuel, he peels through the layers and he says, I know who you really are. You are so much more than a shepherd. Now, let me ask you a question. Who says that for you? Who's not impressed with your stuff, but sees through that to who you really can be in Christ? Who says to you and encourages you, you're so much more than that. And you don't feel demeaned because of it. Look, we all have things we do, but most of us don't want to be defined by that. We all want to be defined by something more. We all want to live in a way that's much more significant than just what we do. On Tuesday night, we celebrated Father's Day because my girls are all over the place, and and, um, they all sent letters to me, and I was blown away. You know, not one of them mentioned one professional accomplishment in their card to me. Not one of them mentioned any degree 
I had. They all wrote about moments of when I was there for them and spoke to who I was apart from any of this. See, that's what we need in our life. We need a Samuel. So I want you to reflect and ask yourself, in the things that matter most, 5,000 years from now, looking back, who are the people in your life that are speaking to who you are becoming at that point? Where you're so significant and you look back and you think, gosh, I did a lot of stupid stuff in life, but that person saw something in me that no one else saw. Who is that for you? We all need people like that in our lives, okay? And then he not only had a Samuel, uh, he had someone more. Look at this, Jonathan. We all need a friend who helps you find spiritual strength because you can't do it alone, right? I tell people all the time, and, and I'll say it, and I'll go on record. It, you ready for this? You're going to write emails and want me fired. It takes more than Jesus to be all that you are called to be. It does. You cannot be who you are called to be apart from God's word, uh, apart from prayer, apart from the spirit of God, nor can you be who you're called to be spiritually apart from others. We need each other. In my premarital counseling, I'm always clear. I got a couple here that uh, had an amazing wedding recently, and I'm really clear in the premarital counseling. I say, you're going to need more than Jesus to have a great marriage. There's some tools that God's going to give me to give to you to have a great marriage. Enter Jonathan, the friend who helps you find spiritual strength. Now we're going to fast forward in the story. You saw where David was anointed to be king, and he started as a warrior. Saul's still king, and David's a warrior. And who remembers his first victory as a warrior? Who did he defeat? A guy named, yeah, Goliath. You're the man. I love that. Goliath, right. And suddenly Israel starts singing these songs about David. And Saul hears these songs. They're like, ah, Saul could beat 1,000. David could beat 10,000. And people, and Saul's just going, what? This isn't cool. This can't happen. And so Saul is an insecure king. And so he sends all his forces, literally in the Bible, it says, all of Israel's forces went in pursuit of one man. David is fugitive number one from the law. And if you've ever been to Israel, uh, south of Israel, it's an arid desert area. Jesus walked through that area when he was tempted by the devil. And David's hiding in cave after cave after cave. And all of Saul's army can't find him. And here's David hiding in a cave. And he's only there because he's obedient. But in a cave, David is in a state of spiritual vertigo. Because men and women, terrible things happen in caves. When you're isolated and alone, and I'm speaking metaphorically, but in the dark, and you're having a self-dialogue, and you're thinking, why did I do this? God could never find me here. I'll never get out of this cave. Am I the only one that's had the cave-dwelling conversations with myself? I guess I am. Okay. <laughs> that's where we're picking up the story. Look at 1 Samuel. That's okay. 1 Samuel 23. Look what it says. David stayed in the wilderness uh, strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Don't, I read that really quickly, but just, just sit in the metaphor. It's, it's true. Wilderness strongholds. He's being bound by something he can't control. Okay? 
Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into Saul's hand. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come to take his life. It's a bad day. Now watch what happens. Verse 16. Are you with me? And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to. I put it in bold. You know what uh, went to is in Hebrew? Find my friend's app. This is a tough crowd, man. I'm just telling you. Should, Brian, just, just close in prayer. And, and. Let's just pause right there. Who knows where you are? Is that not what Find My Friends is all about? Um, in the Ghanini home, um, we have one passcode for all our devices. No secrets. And all my girls have me on Find My Friends including my wife, she's not my girl, but my wife and all my girls, they know exactly where I am 100% of the time because there's nothing to hide. And if I'm ever in a cave and need help, they'll know exactly where to find me. Who knows where you are? One of the things that broke my heart, uh, a guy I really admire, and I actually grieved inordinately when he took his life. Look, can we go to the next picture? Anthony Bourdain. Man, I love this guy. I read his books, followed his show. He was a man's man. He's like our generation, Ernest Hemingway. And he dies in a cave because no one could find him and no one could know the depression he was living in. If only someone could have been there and said, don't do this. Right? Who knows where you are? Who are you letting into your fears? In the dark, when you're like, I can't see God. Who gets up and goes to you? Let's go back to the passage. Jonathan went to David at Horesh. And look at this. And David wouldn't know this, but this is the very last time Jonathan and David were alive together. After this, Jonathan dies in a battle. And what's his last act to his best friend? He helps him find strength in God. Come on, is that not beautiful? Don't we all need that? Don't we all long for that in our friends? Oh, I love friends that we can go running with. I went running yesterday. I love friends that uh, I can do crazy things with and to make me uh, better at whatever pursuit. But at the end of the day, if I don't have these kind of friends in my life, I'm not willing or able, I'm very willing, but not able to have the character to be your pastor or to be a dad or to be a neighbor I just can't do it alone. So important, everybody. That's Jonathan. Uh, as a matter of fact, look at what it says in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 3. Encourage each other. What, how often, church? Daily. Daily. You know, it's so cool. Here's where social media is so cool. Or texting. Where I'll get a text from one of my friends just going, I prayed for you today. And here's a verse that meant a lot to me. I thought of you. And they'll share it with me. It didn't take a long time, but you know what it did? It encouraged me, it strengthened me to be what I'm called to be, as long as it's called today, so none of you are hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So we need a Samuel, we need a, someone who makes you better, we need a uh, Jonathan, someone who gives you spiritual strength, and lastly, we need a Nathan, someone who tells you the truth. Someone who tells you the truth. We're gonna fast forward now into David's life. Now he is king. 
And he's taken his eyes off the Lord and put them on Bathsheba, who is a woman in his village. All of Israel is out to war. David is in the kingdom. He sees Bathsheba. He wants what he sees, commits adultery with her, breaks the heart of God, puts the whole kingdom at risk through that one act of spiritual treason. Uh, and like us, and like that verse just said, he didn't see the spiritual, gra- the spiritual gravitas of his sin. He just didn't see the ramification. He did, he did what you and I do. He minimized it, right? Am I the, okay, I'm afraid to ask. Am I the only one that minimizes sin? Thank you, Tom. Yes, you and I, bro, we're together in that, right? So God, he's hiding in the palace behind power and opulence And one man has the courage to go to him. His name is Nathan. And he goes with story. He says, I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you about a rich man who had a ton of sheep. Thousands and thousands of them. He had all the sheep he could ever want. And his neighbor was a poor man. All he could afford was one little lamb. And this lamb meant more to him than anything. It was much more than a lamb. It was his security. It was his camaraderie. And the rich man is having guests over. And he has to feed them lamb. And what does he do? He takes the poor man's little lamb and slaughters it and feeds that to his rich friends. What do you think of that rich guy? And David is incensed. And he says, kill him. And then Nathan says this, and this is what we need in our friends. Then Nathan said to David, let's say it together. Look on the screen. You are that man. I have this etching in my home from a Bible in the 13th century and it shows this scene, and it shows this, this feeble Nathan and this high throne, and King David, and Nathan is just pointing at him like that with all the courage he could muster. Who is that for you? Who is it that has the guts to uh, wade through, uh, and it isn't just impressed with you, but loves you enough, and you give him permission to him or her to say, you know what? You're that woman. You're that man. See, David saw in those words something he didn't see before. And, you know, he's a poet, so he goes and writes. And if you're taking notes, Psalm 51, right after that experience. It's this beautiful psalm where he's laying bare his soul. When was the last time you had a friend who loved you enough to say, don't, don't, don't go here? This is awkward, but I'm here because I love you too much. And it's your life, it's your choice, but I'm just saying I think you're about to step into something you're going to regret for the rest of your life. Or you know what? There's a habit you're engaged in, and I don't think it's serving you well, and I think you're actually blind to it. And so I'm not here to actually point out. I'm here to extend a hand and say that habit isn't serving you well and doesn't need to go into your future. Who is that for you? Right? Look what the proverb says in Proverbs 27, verse 5 to 6. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. That's so important. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I have people in my life and I need them who don't just have my best interests in mind and they don't see, I'm sorry, they see my best interests, not just my worst weakness. And so they speak to the weakness because they have my interest in mind. Am I making sense for us? It's so critical. I don't know where I'd be if it weren't for the truth tellers in my life. I'm no different than you, but I have a ton of critics. 
tons. Uh, and they keep me humble. I thank God for the critics most of the time. But it's the truth tellers who make me better. Critics keep me humble, but truth tellers make me better. You show me your friends, I promise you, I'll show you your future. And I just want to encourage us all. We need the Samuels who make us better. We need the Jonathans who give us spiritual strength. We need the Nathans who tell us the truth. But there's one last friend in my remaining minutes I want to talk about. If you had to choose one friend you can't do without, you need this friendship most of all, Jesus. He came to communicate to you personally. And and can you just give me your best attention for the next four minutes and then I'm out, I promise. Can I get that from you? Jesus came to you personally to communicate this message. I'll say it again. Ali, Ali, oxen free. It's time to come out of hiding. I came to make you better, actually, and to give you spiritual life. And I came to be a truth teller and tell you the brokenness is killing you. And apart from me, there's no remedy. Look at this verse that Jesus shared the night before he died. I love this. He said, I'm no longer going to call you slaves. That's a great definition of religion. Mortals that live in fear of a God who's a taskmaster. Jesus says, I'm completely different than that. Because a master doesn't know, uh, doesn't confide in the slaves. Look at what I put in bold. This is from Jesus. I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. Because I've told you everything the Father has told me. And I want to encourage you as you step back. We're going to pray. I'm going to give us a few minutes to pray. I want you to do a friend audit. And then I want to just ask you humbly, how's your friendship with Jesus going? Let's bow our heads in prayer. As we pray, if you were to take a step back and be really honest, intuitively, deep down, I wonder if you'd say, you know what? Something's not right. A little too busy. I'm going too hard. I don't have anyone making me better at the things that matter most. Or you might say, you know what? Gosh, I do. I have some friends that I call Christians, but no one's helped me find spiritual strength. Not really putting it on the level of that. Or I can't even remember the last time someone told me I had the guts to give me a hard truth that wounded me in love and changed the direction for my life. I'm wondering if you'd say in prayer, just between you and God, God, if you have something more for me that you want, a new relationship, new groups of relationship, give me eyes to see, give me the heart to be faithful, God for that show me your friends and I'll show you your future I want you to think for a moment about that last friendship I talked about Jesus he was the son of God came to earth lived a sinless life and, and yes as followers we've, we've not done it right and we've not filled headlines in the right way of who God is but Jesus comes to you I think you've heard it enough this time that we've been together it says I came to actually seek and save that which is lost Ali Ali Oxenfree it's time to come out of hiding and he's extending a hand if your eyes are closed I'm not going to you know make you do anything weird but can you sense 
Jesus extended a hand to you asking this question. I know you. I know you better than you know you. I know the stuff you're engaged in. I know the stuff that's hiding. I see it all. I still love you. Here's the question. Can we be friends? Can we not make this about you? And can you turn from you and turn to me? I know everything you've ever done. And I want to make you brand new. I can help you fix that. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. And if you come to me, Jesus says, the moment you breathe your last, (laughs) I've got a future ahead of you that you have no idea was ever possible with me. Like, I don't want to manipulate this moment, but I do want to ask you, honestly, have you given your life to Christ? Have you turned to him? Yes, he's Savior. Yes, he's King. Yes, he's God. Yes, you will face him one day. And right now, he's coming to you saying, I want to be your friend. Have you ever said yes to Jesus? As we close in prayer, I'm going to give you that opportunity. And again, we're not going to manipulate or make you do anything weird. But we are going to invite you to say yes to Jesus. And you can take my words and make them your own. Father, thank you for this time and thank you for your word, which is so rich. And yeah, it gets taken out of context and maligned and terrible things have been done in the name of Bible verses. But today we've seen how good it can be and powerful. Give us community, Lord. Help us to be that community. And then, Lord, if we've never said yes to you, this is where you can make my words yours. Jesus, I'm hiding. I actually don't have it all figured out, but yes, I've tried a lot of other things. I'm going to give you my life. That sounds grandiose, but Lord, I, here's what I know. I don't want to stay hiding. The hidden things are breaking me and breaking relationships that matter me to me. So if you really did come to seek and save that which was lost, step in right now. And in saving whatever relationship matters or whatever hurt, habit, or hang up that I'm so defeated by, save me. From now on, I want to do life your way. Jesus, do a new work in all of our lives. Let this be a Genesis moment where we stay out of hiding and live in the freedom that you created us to have. Thank you for introducing us to a good, good Father. We love you and we thank you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Everyone said? Thank you so much for listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We believe you're here for a reason, and we would love to connect with you more. Our campuses are located in Redwood City, California. You can find us online at wearepcc.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for We Are PCC.